0: You're listening to The Togetherings, hosted by the Alaska Humanities Forum. The Togetherings are recorded conversations with Alaskans from all walks of life, sharing their perspectives on big questions that touch us all. Each series shares a common theme that is explored across episodes. Hello, and welcome to The Togetherings, hosted by the Alaska Humanities Forum. I'm Amanda Dale, and this week I'm joined by Teresa Lyons of the YWCA Alaska. Hi Teresa. Hi, Amanda. And Indra Aliaga from KONR. Hi, Indra. Hello. Today we're concluding our three-part series, Racism in Alaska: What is our capacity to change? Today, we're talking about pathways forward. This Togethering series is a collaboration between the Humanities Forum and YWCA Alaska. Teresa, could you share a bit more about your organization?
1: Thank you. YWCA Alaska's mission is to eliminate racism, empower women and girls, and to promote peace, justice, freedom, and dignity for all. It's been a pleasure being on the Togetherings to have conversations with Alaska about racism and its impact on us as residents of this great state and citizens that live here and what we can do differently. YWCA will host YWCA Connect where we will keep the conversation going about things that are controversial in Alaska. We do believe that Alaskans continuing in respectful dialogue is certainly one of the pathways forward.
0: Support for this series comes from GCI. GCI believes in connecting with and making a lasting impact in communities across Alaska. Together, we make Alaska stronger. And before we meet our guests for this afternoon, we want to acknowledge that here in Anchorage, we are on the traditional land of the Dena'ina people. Teresa, could you tell us a bit more about our guests
1: today? Absolutely, with pleasure. It's an honor to introduce our guests today. We have with us attorney Stephanie Whitethorne. Stephanie practices civil law and family law at Dickerson and Gibbons, Gibbons Incorporated. She's a member of the Anchorage chapter of the Lynx Incorporated, one of the oldest national volunteer service organizations. Um, Through her work with Scholarship Prep Academy, she mentors high school students in their preparation for college. Uh, Stephanie is married to Dr. Andre Thorne. She is committed to family and her faith. And Stephanie is known for speaking truth to power. Welcome, Stephanie. Our other guest is attorney Rex Butler. And Rex is a 1983 graduate of Howard University School of Law. He is recognized as one of the top defense attorneys in Alaska with over 35 years litigating criminal cases. He is married to Stephanie Butler and the proud father of four children and one, and the grandfather of one. He loves the Lord and he loves his family. Attorney Butler is pleased to be here today, and he shared with us that he thinks this topic of racism What is our capacity to change is an important topic. Thank you for being here, Attorney Butler.
2: Thank you.
0: Stephanie and Rex, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, We've started the conversations this week by asking all of our guests initially to share a bit about where they find themselves this summer. What what are you feeling this summer in response to what's happening? Stephanie, could we start with you?
3: Thank you, Amanda. I would say that... You know, my emotions have been up and down. You go, f- you become exhausted um, when you see, uh, you know, dealing with COVID-19. And then those of us who have been working our whole lives and our all our work is the embodiment of justice, equality, equity, to have this moment where This wasn't the first and it won't be the last, but I will say that I am at a point where we know we're not going back. It is going to take a lot of denial, disinformation, and disingenuous behavior to try to put this genie back in the bottle. We have reached the disparities in the health, the treatment and so we're not going back. So I found myself at this moment of oh, what I'm doing I just want to know and I hope other people make a commitment to do something. So that's
0: where I'm at. It's a powerful way to start Stephanie thank you. Rex, what's what's on your mind this
2: summer? Well, I'll tell you I'm an eternal optimist. And I like what I see in terms of young folks in particular looking at George Floyd's situation and allowing that to be a catalyst for change. Because, you know, we're talking about the capacity to change moving forward. And this new movement has really stepped up the pace from what has happened over the last 50 years. We've sort of been dormant, uh, dormant in where we find ourselves in terms of racism. And so for these young folks to step up and start this Black Lives Matter uh, organization and move forward to create the focus, because we have to understand that black folks in particular have always been at the forefront of fighting racism and discrimination of all kinds. You see once you start to realize that discrimination is not a good thing, then you can start to root out all kinds of discrimination. So we're going to we're going to move forward, we're moving forward. We see substantial changes already in the way people are thinking. And we just have to continue to move forward. So quite frankly, I'm excited about where we are. And I just hope that we don't allow things to fizzle out.
0: Rex, you mentioned you said this movement has stepped up the pace. Is, is there something in particular um, that you thought of there? What feels different about now?
2: Well, I just think that uh, there is a greater awareness of where our country is where the leadership in this country is and how divided we've been i mean quite frankly i'm gonna be honest with you i've been surprised at just how much how how, how many people out there feel so disenfranchised in the way that they think about racism and what i mean by that is there there's an underbelly and undercurrent in this country of racism that is certainly stronger than I thought it was. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I thought that we had moved much further ahead than where we are, and uh, the more recent activities and, and the events that have been going on in this country have certainly taken the cover off. I mean that we're seeing that you know white supremacy in this country is deeper and larger. I think it has uh, a larger base than what I thought it had. I'm gonna be honest with you about that, and I'm, you know, it's disappointing to see that. But I'm so happy that these young folks are are carrying us forward in terms of the awareness of where our country is and what people need to do to come together. You know, I mean, you know, we talk about racism, and quite frankly, there is a relatively simple fix to racism, quite frankly. And that simple fix is simply stop teaching the young folks to judge another person by the color of their skin. It's just that simple. And the reason why I say it's just that simple, if you ever go to a kindergarten, go to elementary school and watch the children play, they don't give a hoot about the color of the person they're playing with. However, at some point along along their lives, somebody indoctrinates them that somehow this person is better than that person because of the color of their skin. You can't trust that person because of the color of their skin. You don't want to mix with that person because of the color of their skin. And that's where the power and strength of racism continues to flow in the country. If you just leave these young folks alone, these babies, these children, and let them grow up as they did in elementary school, not looking at color, we can eliminate racism. Just that simple. It really is simple.
1: Thank you, Rex, for those comments. Stephanie, did anything come up for you that you want to share with our audience today in that regard?
3: Um, I would like to say that um, when Rex says something or some. Well, what this one and the something is systems. It's the law. It's the state. It's what you've been taught. It's the media. And I will say, I'm encouraged that the young people don't want to carry this heavy burden. Has been handed down to them. They're starting to ask questions. Why is it? I know this. Who are these? Um, important figures in American and world history around. And and certainly, and and I think I've shared this, and I'm so glad we're having this discussion because um, Teresa said dialogues. When I moved up to Alaska, it was a monologue. There is this narrative that everyone tries to give to you, that it's the land of milk and honey. I moved here. I had a backpack. I was in AmeriCorps. I was in Vista Volunteers. I hitchhiked. I, and and, and look at me, 30, 40 years later, um, I'm tier one, I'm tier two. I have all these things. But someone new to the community, I'm like, well, when I read one in 10 You know, one in seven Alaskans are food insecure. When I turn on the television and I see young people and their parents trying to get backpacks to go back to school, that's one narrative you're trying to give everyone, but that's not the truth. Um, And I also just, you know, because both Rex and I are beneficiaries of M. Ashley Dickerson being the first licensed attorney, African-American attorney in the state of Alaska. Rex trained under her. I now have trained with her partner, um, Johnny Gibbons. And we know that from the outset, when people talk about homesteading, people in the homestead office did not want to show Mrs. Dickerson land that would have been um, she ended up getting a beautiful parcel, uh, acreages, but the racism that stopped the person from telling her, oh no, nothing's available in that plat. When you come up here and you find out, well, why is it that we have, we celebrate, a, you know, Elizabeth Paradovich Day and we volunteer for all of this? Why were there racial covenants? People brought that to this. 49th state, which is also a problematic thing to talk about this state when people were here for time immemorial, but let's just stick with this, that people made decisions to teach a certain way and have laws and have institutions and systems set up. So I work with young people, I'm encouraged by them, and I know they're the future, and they don't want To keep this, but that it is it is a very persistent system that perpetuates this. And we've all got to do our part to stop it and to have people see the humanity. But there must be acknowledgement of what has come before. And I've always said this, and you know, people attribute it to Dr. Field, but we know all faiths. Um, all principles, whether you, whatever system, um, is that you cannot change what you won't acknowledge. And we're at an inflection point that we have to acknowledge our history and stop talking about, like, oh, and we're, the 49th state just sprung up and it's just been full of no issues, no worries, when we know that that same gunk that had been in the lower 48 was brought up here and put in the laws and put in the systems and the lever of power. So we have the capacity to change, but we have to acknowledge it.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. Um, As you uh, share these comments, it crossed my mind about the systems, and we are very interested in Alaskan dismantling systemic racism, and we see these conversations happening, not just in our own country, but across the globe right now. what are the you know what conversations do you think should be happening now and who needs to be a part of those conversations from your perspective?
2: Well, I think that you I think you have to start with the young folks. I think that you have to people have to stop looking at people's color and go with character. They have to understand that The older folks, the old folks, many of whom are still around, obviously, who've had a certain perspective that has hindered, hurt a lot of people, okay? And so what you have to start with is young folks and making sure that they understand that people are people. That's it. People are people. Okay, look at the person that you're working with, you're talking to, you're having fun with as another person, not as this is a black person. That's a native person. This person is Indian. This person is Asian. Okay, let's just start dealing with people as people. And I think over time, when we do that, we will eliminate racism. Sometimes I think at my age that we're just, we're just kind of stuck. and that what we have to do is help the young folks so that they don't have to live the experiences that we have lived. You see, and that's—I mean, you know, I—I I like to believe that we can uh, that we can get away from the fact that, or the question, or the issue, or this maxim that it's going to be very complicated to get rid of racism. Okay. Because we have been indoctrinated to look at people a certain way. I mean, I've been in this town long enough to remember when people used to refer to Native people as drunk Natives, drunk Natives, drunk Natives. And we've gotten away from, I believe, that stereotype with some people. Some people still have it. You see, instead of looking at people as people, they put labels on people. OK, black folks being lazy, um, black folks being dumb and stupid. But yet, if you look at our history, you look at what we've created, invented and done for this country. There's no way that those stereotypes should have been placed on us in the first place. So we can teach young folks to, to, to stay away from stereotypes and look at people for people. Look at the inside. That's what counts, not what's on the outside. I believe we'll get to that point. It's going to take time, but we'll get to the point.
0: Stephanie, what came up for you with
3: that? I believe it's truly a revolutionary moment to have a conversation and not um, foreground or other, you know, I'm going to say, I'm trying to steer clear of the word, this unified narrative to say there are many stories and each one is just as important. And so let's gather and talk, but let's have strategies. And I think Rex said it best and I will keep saying it, the young people that we deal with and I work with and I say, this is your America. And so what do you see? You you outnumber um, certain groups now. You are the number one population. This this will be your government. This is your city. This is your workplace. How do you want to make it different? And so to provide strategies instead of saying, well, you guys mucked it up and, you know, I'm just going to, you know, tweet which which is which is powerful but you have to get in here because if you don't we will keep perpetuating the same and you've shown us you don't want it you've been telling us hey please recycle you know it this isn't replenishing um we've got to do our part the young people have been just floating up telling us what we need to do please we don't want to go to school with all of this violence we don't want to be shot. I mean, they've been mm. telling us. And so what we have to do is listen because, you know, um, and I'll say this, you know, if you're, if you're continued to be blessed to have many more years on the earth, but if you're 20, you're going to have a lot more years on the earth, um, hopefully. Um, and so this is your, and we want to work together, um, certainly, because Our years have given us some wisdom, but we know that we have mucked up some things. I mean, um, you know, I think about FDR, okay, a chicken in every pot. That's why people are out in the streets. There's not a chicken in every pot. Um, Robert Reich, the former Secretary of Commerce, 10 years ago said, this isn't a gigs economy, it's a crumbs economy. But you look at 20-somethings and now early 30-somethings that are college-educated, they have all a lot of debt, but they've had three and four of these gig jobs. But then this pandemic comes along, no health insurance, no paid days off. So bottom line, I just think we have conversations, we have to foreground it where I don't need to be comfortable. You know, some young people can stand up and tell me about myself uh in a respectful way but to but I don't have to be so invested in like this is the one truth and you your truth doesn't matter I have to listen because you know I joke with the students that I prepare for college and get scholarships because one day Miss Stephanie wants someone to help her across the crosswalk with her with her purse you know uh you know that's what I'm I'm paying it forward uh, and to and to make sure I get my favorite Jello, um, so so anyway, that's my two cents on that.
1: Yes, Amanda, we've been hearing for the three days uh, a lot about uh, young people um, really are needed in this this movement in this moment. Uh, that's been a thread through each of the conversations we've held this week. And so, Stephanie and Rex, we'd like to ask you uh, to comment on you know, how are Alaskans actually empowering young people in this moment, or we could be especially, to help them recognize that we need their leadership in this moment, uh, that we need their thinking outside of the box uh, and their guidance, and that uh, this is the time for them to be engaged and that we're ready to listen. What are your comments about that?
2: Well, I think Stephanie hit the nail on the head when she talked about Helping and empowering young folks because, basically, what she was was establishing in her in the scenario that she put forth was that we are going to have to rely on the young folks in the future. You see, and so we certainly need for them to understand our value to them now. Uh, the way we can impart knowledge to them, the way we can help them move themselves forward, and then hopefully they'll understand, accept, and realize the help that we're giving them now and their need to help us in the future, you see? And so that's all part of moving forward and trying to, and not trying, but actually overcoming the racism issues that have been the topic of this week's programs, and I just If I hadn't already said it, thank you for taking the time to bring these issues forward to those who are certainly interested in listening uh, uh, to it. And so when I think about the young folks, we often say the young folks are our future. But as Stephanie said, they are the future of this country. They are the leadership. They're coming along. The question is, what part are we going to play? What role will we play in the maturation process of these young folks, you see? And we need to just stop teaching people to judge another person by their economic circumstance, by what they look like, how they sound, what kind of accent they have, mm. the texture of their skin their their hair. I mean, and, and quite frankly, we have to also realize that even black folks among black folks, we need to, We need to learn to love each other more than what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. All of this is how we help the future to become bright. Because, you know, we all have children. We're going to have grandchildren. Uh, We want them to grow up in a better Alaska, a better world than what we have here. Okay? And we can help them do that. We got to focus on these young folks. We got to be ready to give them what they need to think critically, to understand that they have the power. You know, when we talk about empowering women, empowering young folks, we need to make sure they know and understand that they can fix what we have been unable to fix.
1: We have been, um, we made the comment that throughout our conversations, one of the uh, themes that we've seen emerge is the fact that. Uh, you know, we really do need the leadership of our young people in this moment. And the question is around, you know, how do we empower young people to, one, recognize their leadership is needed now? Uh, how do we come alongside and empower them um, to, you know, work with us, to test their ideas, to be engaged in this work? Um, and so any thoughts you have around that would be important to hear.
3: Thank you, well, I would say that um, it's just time to include them. There should be no more board appointments, committee assignments, breakout groups that don't include people in their twenties and thirties, so when people in this town who always will say, you know I you know I, at twenty something I became the director of this, and I know in the lottery Laura 48, that never would have happened. I was picked to be on this. I was appointed to this. Well, if that happened 30, 40 years ago, it should be happening now. That's one of the things when I came into the community that I was like, where where are the people in the middle? And when we go to different events and galas and people introduce board members, there's a clear issue of you don't see young people reflect it give them an opportunity they will learn much like the people there who had to learn Mm -hmm. and so i really do think that all these organizations or anyone listening in your plan if if you're not actively making certain that you have people um Young people on your boards and committees and volunteer, um, it's going to be an issue because what happens, everybody's a certain age, they have the same commonality experience, they all are very connected and raise their kids together if they have children or attend the same, uh, blah, 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 and then all of a sudden people start, well, time takes over and you haven't groomed the next group of leaders, so, um. We just need to get busy and and just start scouring. You know, I know there's no more Rolodexes. Check your contact <laughs> list on your iPads, iPhones, Outlook, um, and just ask. And, but I will say, and young people uh, know and love me because I will tell them the truth, it will take time. So you have someone like... Uh, Rex Butler, who has been a legal stalwart, uh, pushing the lever up the hill year after year after year. Well, young people, it's not going to happen overnight. And so that's what we have to impress upon. But your time may be different if everybody's moving in the right direction. When I say it may take years, maybe I've encountered people who actively wanted to suppress and distort and thwart my efforts. But if all of you are working together, your many years may look a lot different, but it will not happen overnight.
2: That is an excellent point of bringing these young folks into the fold and not stifling their ideas, not overlooking them because they're young. You understand Because you'd be surprised how some of these young folks have ideas that that will make your hair stand up. And you say, why didn't I think of that? Well, because you're not young. You're not, (laughs) you're jaded. You're used to being around people who think the same as you all the time. You've got to bring the new narrative in. That's exactly what she's saying. And I think it's a perfect point bring these young folks in, get them started early. Thank you.
0: I don't know, or I know you couldn't see us, um, Stephanie and Rex, but when you were talking about bringing young people onto the boards of organizations, we threw our hands up in the (laughs) studio. We were so delighted to hear that. And it it also made me think, um, you know, I think you're getting at this, Stephanie, but there is perhaps a difference between leaving space for people to come in and actively inviting, right, folks to participate and I wondered if you had some thoughts to share about in your experience things that have been powerful ways to invite young people into the conversation.
3: Well, I guess it's it's kind of to to listen, to get to know mm-hmm. them, to to understand what their fears and concerns are. And I mean, I start laughing because Rex Butler said, you know, I'll make your hair stand on end <laughs> about their ideas, but And you're like, why didn't we, you know, think about that? Or, yes, the freedom with technology. I mean, we are all beneficiaries of young people saying, well, man, that's not a – I mean, think about if we were in COVID and we're all walking around with sheets of paper trying to solve stuff. I mean, technology allows us to connect. Um, And so to really let them tell you, well, uh, case in point, there's a real – and maybe Rex can agree that a lot of longtime attorneys, you know, we don't do all that. We don't do all that uh, marketing and putting, you know, like business comes in the door here. You know, uh, sometimes these things come percolate that that's just not what you do. Well, you watch young people and they're like, no, I can show you how you can be smarter. I can show you how your organization can um well, simple as when you're sitting at one of these galas, I know a lot of young people at four organizations that I'm involved with were like, you know, you can capture money that way. Like you can just text to this. Well, I don't know. that is that secure? Or I don't know if our donors will do that. And then you find out, wow, they were able to capture collectively hundreds of thousands of dollars that way. Listening to young people. Center them. And, but you really have to listen and And say, you know, I'm uncomfortable, but why am I uncomfortable? Because I won't have control. And so when you're used to having control and you listen to new voices, Mm. you can share information. But if you're used to and if your ego is such that I control, I am the one that gives the light and the word. (laughs) Then you run young people off because they're like, you know, really be doing something else. (laughs) You know, but really just get to know them and, and say, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's try it because if it works, it works. If it doesn't, but we're not going to castigate you. If it doesn't, we'll just say, how can we be better? And I'm telling you, if we don't listen, um, that, well, yeah. Right. It's not going to be good.
1: But... Right. Thank you, Rex and Stephanie. As you were talking, I thought about, I could imagine in Alaska where, you know, it is a part of our culture to mentor our young people. Uh, it reminds me of the old statement and the cliche that, you know, it takes a village to raise our children. Um, and and we say that as if somehow that's not true. But it takes all of us caring about every young person, whether they're immediately in our family or not, um, living their best quality life and making sure that we don't have barriers in our communities that hinder that. Um, when you talk about empowering young people, I think about opportunities for them to practice their leadership, um, you know, in nonprofit organizations and for-profit organizations, clubs, organizations, where they have real work and someone's alongside them letting them explore and dream and succeed and fail in safe spaces. Um, I am interested in knowing when you think about uh, what Alaska could look like in five to ten years um, as we look forward for our state Um, what do you imagine it might be like for people of color, say in five years or 10 years here in Alaska, if we import engaging young people in leadership and mentoring them in their lives as a community?
2: Well, if I could take a stab at that, I think we'll certainly see a more progressive Alaska. Now, what I mean by progressive, and I'm not talking about it in the political sense because people tend to use that word progressive negatively in the political sense. I'm talking about a community that moves forward that is that is more open to accepting other people. For example, I've been here for you know since 83 and uh, you know the diversity of this city of the state of Alaska, has just grown by leaps and bounds. And I want to believe that that makes this a better place if we can accept all of this diversity that we have now, accept people for who they are, and we all learn each other's culture and sort of blend in and and accept and, and get young folks to understand that it's not about the color of your skin, it's about what you bring to the table and I think that in five to ten more years if we become a more progressive community meaning that we work together we don't exclude certain groups or certain people because of this or that where we become sensitive to what we say so that we're not being offensive to other people that's another thing you see, people. some people, they lose their filter. They, they tend to say things and then they try to catch it. It's out there, it's out there. And you've offended somebody, you've hurt somebody, you have set them back. And when we deal with these young folks, we need to be open-minded with them because, you know, I mean, for example, and I think Teresa hit on some of this, you know, with the electronics, who knows more about the, the use of the Internet and in electronic devices than the young folks? How many times you got to ask a young person, how do you set this up? How do you do this? How do you do that? That in part shows you the value because they catch things so, so, so quickly. They are exposed to so much more than we were growing up. So they are, they are more intelligent at a certain age than we were at that age. You Mm -hmm. see, and so we think of, well, at that age, I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know how to do this. I had to do this. I had to do that. I had... Listen, these young folks are so much further ahead <laughs> of us, okay? So stop looking at them as you looked at yourself at that age, because it's a whole different world. Thank you.
0: Wow, it's a lot to, to take in. Yeah, Teresa. It is. I love it. Mm-hmm. Stephanie,
1: did you have any comments?
0: No, I think he, he summed it up perfectly. Um, <laughs> he nailed perfectly. it. Perfectly, yeah. <laughs> Are there other, you know, we've talked a little bit about, um, Stephanie, you talked about systemic racism. We've talked with Rex about, you know, the individual and, and teaching our young people to look at folks as individuals, not prejudging them. Um, are there other things that we need to change in order to really move forward?
3: Well, actually, something just popped in my head. I, I made a note. I just looked down at my note when Rex was talking um, about seeing people for who they are. And so one of the things um, that I think it's important, um, as we imagine five years down the line, when the Chamber of Commerce does its report about, you know, the, these professions need young people, these professions, you know, over here. And I always think there are a lot of young people who can be slotted into or trained into industries that the report says they're lacking, but it doesn't disaggregate. Are we talking about a particular type of person we want in this industry or not? And so that's one of the things that people are, you know, this is a diverse community and it's going to be growing. And, and that's just a fact. And there are some real economic needs and opportunities for training, but I always hear that and think, well, I know young people who would love to have those types of jobs and make great livings, but what? who are they decrying the lack of? Is it a lack of a particular group, or is it a lack of young people in general? So I think that's where we need to, going forward, start asking those questions to say, well, maybe it won't look like how you imagined it the last 40 years, but there are a lot of young people coming out of these high schools um, who may not want to um, pursue college, but they're going to do some post high school training um, and they're skilled and they're talented and they probably could would love to know more about that industry. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to plant that there because that's a big issue.
0: Rex, does that resonate with you?
2: It absolutely does. And I think that uh, Steph hit on something that was important, too. Uh, What she hit on that I think was important is uh, it's not unusual for people to look for people who think the way they think. Look at things the way they look at it. Okay? And so what that does is it stifles growth. You got to, you know, you hear the term, think outside of the box. Well you know that's an important term because what it tells me is this I have to sometimes leave my comfort level step out and listen to somebody who doesn't think the way I think you understand what I'm saying and what that means is I sometimes I have to I have to interact with people who Maybe don't look like I look. Don't have not does not. They do not have the life experiences that I have in order for me to grow and learn and understand where they're coming from to broaden my own horizon, and that's where these young folks come in, okay? Because a lot of these young folks, they're a lot more assertive, a lot more aggressive. They grasp things quicker, and as Stephanie said, it's not always about the person who wants to go or goes on to college there's a lot of intelligent people out there with good ideas that can help us all move forward who may not want to just run into college right away and so when we start to look and judge people which we shouldn't be judging people but when we start to engage people we should be open-minded in our engagement because you'd be surprised at you know, I've heard, especially in, in in my profession as a lawyer. Sometimes you talk to some of these young lawyers and they come up with ideas and they make you just scratch your head say, Why didn't I think of that? You see? <laughs> I mean, and I would suspect that this is in a lot of areas in a lot of professions. Sure. Where you talk to some young person, they come up with with some proposed solution to a problem, and you say to yourself, Dang, why didn't I think of that? That's a good point. And in my business, Stephanie's business, the business of the law, the law grows, it expands all the time because certain new ideas come into play. And these young lawyers come in, and they push these narratives, and these narratives become law and it helps to make everything move better. And so, yes, get the young folks in, get them in early, listen to them, encourage them, even if they say something that you might feel is ridiculous, sometimes you got to step back and think about it a little bit. I mean, sometimes you'll talk to somebody and they'll say something and you don't get it right from the get-go. And then after you've had time to think about it, you say, you know what? I think that'll work. I think they have a good point. So that's where I'm coming from. Thank mm-hmm.
0: you. We heard yesterday from one of our guests, uh, Solomon Shepard, who's a student at West High, that having real direct, frank conversations about race with his parents and his his siblings and family members was something that had been really important to him and in his own development and helped him become more comfortable navigating some of these issues. And I guess because we're talking about youth so much today, um, I wanna ask both of you, are you also having these kinds of of conversations about race with the young people in your lives? And, And if so, how have you gone about doing that?
2: Well, I can guarantee you, I've had it with my children because i I didn't want them to be to be surprised okay? surprised to be shocked to to because let let me just tell you a quick uh, example for Please. example. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey. Um uh, my community was largely Caucasian, uh, got along well with a, with a lot of people in the community watching racism on TV, the marches, the demonstrations, the things like that. That was television. Um, now, don't misunderstand me. New Jersey has a lot of racism in it, just like any other state. But the fact of the matter is, is I got along with my white friends at school pretty well. You know how it is when you're in high school. you Everybody's your friend. Okay, so we're getting along well. So, fresh out of high school, I go into the United States Navy, join the Navy, Finish up my boot camp. Um, n- no, no real issues in boot camp, and then I get stationed in Jacksonville, Florida, 1970. <laughs> okay. Well, so so uh, as a young sailor, me and my friend, we you know we just arrived in Jacksonville, went out on the town, we walked into this bar, and immediately. The guy behind the counter ran up to the, to the to the part of the bar that was near the door and put his hands on his little shotgun underneath the counter and said, "We don't serve your kind here now that slapped me in the face. that was a punch. I'd never heard that before. I never had to deal with that before, so I said, say what what, what did you say to me my the, the, the friend of mine that I was there." Probably saved my life because he pulled me out of that. I said, wait a minute. I don't believe I heard what that guy said. Well, yeah, you heard what he said. And from that moment forward, I ran into many, many, many obstacles in Jacksonville, Florida, where I lived in half years. Okay, so fast forward. I had to prepare my children, shameful as it is. Okay, my first child was born in 78. My last one was born in 94. All right. But I've had to prepare them all to understand what this world is really about and what it's truly really like and how you have to be prepared and how you have to be able to respond and how you respond and, 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 and stay alive. You hear me? Just like nowadays, many parents have to prepare their children how to deal with police officers so they can what stay alive. All right. So we've got a lot to overcome, but I just throw that out there. That, yes, preparing these young folks so they have an awareness, but you don't want to put them in a position where they become bitter or racist or prejudiced. You just want them to understand what's happening out there, but that shouldn't stop you in your interactions, your learning, your growth, your acceptance of other people for who they are, not by the color of their skin. Thank you. Thank you
0: for sharing that. That story Rex Stephanie what kinds of conversations are you having or seeing with the young people in your circles um,
3: well I think that um, you know when Rex talks about preparing young people um, you know for the talk so I, I, I don't you know a few years ago when and I happen to have been at a seminar where the woman who was behind the marketing of the talk and the world was outraged that Black people uh, would have a conversation and this would be a part of a national marketing campaign, like it didn't happen. And so fast forward to 2020, a lot of, you get a lot of pushback sometimes from young people because they're like, well, why do I have to keep policing my body, my space? And why do other people think that they can call the police on me if I'm standing, drinking, barbecuing um, at Starbucks? Things that normal human beings do every day without thought. And so when I talk about how young people don't want the burden of a lot of things, they're tired of having to have the talk. But the reality of it is, You don't live in a utopia, and you have to tell people. When you're pulled over, where do you put your hands? Um, Thank God for Rex's friend, because we could have lost him. If Rex had insisted upon, it's like, we'll live to fight another day. So there is this psychic fatigue that a lot of us live with, that we see, and, and the young people are hurt buy it because they're like, what did I do? To have to always have to be aware of these things. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of, you know, I think about the young men in Philadelphia, real estate entrepreneurs. Everybody meets at Starbucks and pirates there. <laughs> free Wi-Fi. But they're led out and handcuffs. Four police cars come. And I always think about those people. There were some righteous people, but there were also people who looked away and kept typing. Like, okay, just, it's not bothering me that your human rights are now being compromised right in front of me. So I say that to say that the young people that I, that I work with, and when all of this was going on, first with COVID, with they're very, um, you know. First, like uh, this better not ruin prom. This better not ruin track. <laughs> to, oh my God, Miss Stephanie, did you see that? They're showing death after death. Did you see them hunting Ahmad Aubrey? Like he was an animal. They were corralling him, and it's like, yes, I know that is wounding to the soul, destructive, but you have to have some skills and they're just tired. They don't want those skills. They want to be able to gather like everyone else. And until we get there, I tell them, you got to know certain things. You got to know about your rights. You got to know when not to argue when you're the only person of color in a group and they've let your white friends walk off, but now they're trying to give you a citation. And then you're trying to argue the point. Unfair, but when people got hands on, anyway, and not just that, not even talking about law enforcement, but the whole, you know, the issue of what happened in Central Park in New York. I mean, you watch that video. I have nephews. I have. I'm married to a black man. And but for technology, wow. And that's where young people have been for the last when they have those conversations. Like, wow.
0: Fair how do Helen you unleash Jones. that? Thank where you so do you learn that? Thank you so much for joining us today and giving us a lot Thank to think you. about. Thank you also it, to our listeners, to the so Humanities Forum, to Teresa Alliance to of the YWCA Alaska, and of course to our sponsors for this series, GCI. Thank you for their support for this well, togethering series.
3: GCI believes in connecting with and making a lasting
0: impact in the communities across them. Alaska.
3: And I'm sure when Together, Red we Shares, make 1978 stronger. to 1994, you have to have the talk your kids alive, but there's anger and resentment that you have to have it. And that other people were outraged five years ago, saying, what are these people talking about? Like, that's dreary. You know, it's a, we're all happy that people get their license at 16, but we walk the floor when our nephews, along with my sister, about, oh, my God, these African-American young black men have driver's license, and now they can take themselves to and from to sporting events and all of that. And they come back at night and night it's, you know, a, um, like you just have to stay faithful um, and positive. And, the, but that's the reality. And I, and I, I just hope we can not hope we should work to a, a, a moment of no one needs to have the talk. We all comport ourselves. We all don't police people and think that we have more space than you do. That's what our work has to be. We have to be active in that.
0: Stephanie, what a note to end on. A tremendous thank you, Stephanie Whitethorne, to you um, for joining us and to Rex Butler. Thank you for being here. And of course, GCI, who is supporting this series. GCI believes in connecting with and making a lasting impact in communities across Alaska. Together, we can make this state stronger. And Teresa, where can folks find out more about YWCA Alaska?
1: YWCA Alaska can be found at ywcaak.org, and they can give us a call at 907-644-9600.